This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. For Local History Week 2023, the Palmerston North City Library hosted a series of talks. Two People's Radio was able to attend four of these talks. We technically assisted them and also recorded them for broadcast. This is the third of the four talks that we attended. It was presented by Mayor Grant Smith, the Mayor of Palmerston North, and it's entitled The Chief Post Office and Its Exciting Future. Tēnā tēnā tātou katoa, nau mai ki tēnei kōrero whakaherehera ko Grant Smith, tēnei te koro matua o te papaioia. Uh, welcome everyone, fantastic to see you here this evening, uh, this afternoon, crikey. <laughs> it's getting late in the week and I, I don't, know, don't know if I'm coming or going. It is wonderful to have you here with us and joining us today for um, this Kori Row with Grant Smith about the Chief Post Office and its exciting future. Um, it's something that every time I walk past the old High Flyers building, I sort of scratch my head and think, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to it. Because I, I can remember a few years ago, you know, when it was High Flyers, sort of being in there for the odd thing. And since then, it's kind of got particularly sad. So I'm really excited to be hearing this this, um, this afternoon. So welcome, Grant, and I'm sure you're going to enlighten us. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jenny. Uh, kia ora tato. Uh, welcome, everybody. And look, I'm going to give you a little bit of history as well. So it, it is, Jenny, it is about the future. Um, but we'll also talk about the history because the building has some magnificent um, bones and and heritage. Um, and you can see the building there. Um, it it was quite grand. In fact, it was uh, when it was opened in 1906. It was one of the grandest in the country and and really defied um, our population at the time. And as mayor, I have a real connection. Um, well, I feel I have a connection to the building and the place. Um, I opened my first bank account there, and I know there's probably some people in the crowd that maybe have worked in there. My wife actually worked in there in telephone services. And uh, just feel that, uh, like you commented before, Jenny, walking past it doesn't do it justice at the moment, and we know all the reasons why, and I'll touch on a few of those. Um, some of you may have been familiar with the Manawatu Standard story that ran last, last month where um, property brokers brokered a deal to sell the building um, to new owners, and I'd have to say fantastic new owners, in the Safari Group. They're a New Zealand family-owned company that specialise in heritage, and they've done a number of different developments uh, around New Zealand. This will be their first uh, foray into regional New Zealand and Palmerston North. Uh, and it's, it's quite ins- um, inspiring, the plans, and I'm going to keep them right to the end, because I know you'll want to see it. But I've got some stuff at the end, so if anybody thinks they're leaving, you won't get it until the end. 
So um, they are going to preserve the original um, facade and the structure of the building. They're going to deconstruct it and then reconstruct it again. And that's how they, that's their model that they work with. They do it extremely well uh, and it will be um, converted into an 86-room, uh, five-level Wyndham Trip Hotel. So Google uh, Wyndham Hotels and then the Trip brand and you'll see the quality of what we're going to get. It'll have provisions for retail, um, a health spa, a gym and conference facilities. And its site and its location will be superb for the central city. Look, it was extremely welcome news for us. It's something, as a council, you know, we've wanted this to happen. But it wasn't actually... Council was the enabler. Um, it wasn't actually our role to buy it and do that. And, well, I don't think it was. And we needed um, the commercial sector to step forward. But I'm certainly excited about the outcome. Um, and I just want to talk about the building, building's beginnings and history. So... You know, that's construction in 1905. And if you go back to our pioneering uh, postal services, they were actually responsible in some ways for our christening our name. Uh, we were Palmerston, and then we became Palmerston North because of the New Zealand Post Office. Because they got the mail mixed up, basically. Um, some say they still do today, but uh, um, it's, uh, it's because of that. Uh, and, and they obviously had this... Um, belief and inkling that they needed to build something quite grand here. And in some ways the period of growth the city's experiencing at the moment um, could almost equate to what happened back there in the early 1900s. Some stats on population. The Palmerston population grew from uh, 6,500 in 1901 to reach 10,000 in just five years. Quite incredible, in 1906. And that's the same year that this grand old building was opened. So that's a surge of uh, about 3,700 people, and that's a population increase of 57%. These are some of the messenger boys that were out doing it because it was the post office and telegraph uh, building, and these, uh, these boys would be out there uh, running the errands. And, uh, you know, that, that 1900s decade um, almost could be equated for now, but not in every, in every sense. So the population increase, to give you a perspective, say our population, and again, we've got a census coming, who knows what that will bring, um, but you know, let's say we're 92,000 at the moment, because we don't, New Zealand stats don't really know how big we are. And if you, if you put the same percentage rate over the same number uh, of years, that would be an equivalent of another 51,000 people coming to Palmerston North. That would make for one heck of a, uh, an annual plan and how we coped with all of that. You know, there would be 10,000 people per year and it would put us at uh, 141,000 in five years' time. So that just shows you how quickly Palmerston North grew at that time. That's the um, Telegraph um, Gallery. And, uh, you know, there's uh, obviously the building and lots of Palmerston North families went through and generations of... People worked for the post office in those days. And look, um, hats off to our former Palmerston North Borough councillors and, and council workers that coped with that influx in those 1900s. And that level of uh, growth may explain why the town really acquired some quite prestigious heritage buildings, if you think not only for the, uh, the post office but think the Grand Hotel and then various banks, uh, insurance companies, um, 
the Catholic Cathedral, All Saints Church and the, and the TNG Tower in later years. So if I go back to 1871 and the beginning of Palmerston North and its connection with postal services, George Snelson, he was the settlement's uh, first um, uh, general store owner and he also became the postmaster and registrar. It also uh, possibly coincided with the appointment uh, and announcement in uh, the 17th of July 1871 in the New Zealand Gazette, uh, which read, Notice is hereby given that the name of the post office in the province of Wellington, known as Palmerston, has been changed to Palmerston North. So that's when that all happened. And the establishment um, of this settlement now with a population just a bit over 200 really started to grow. But we also were at quite a centre, or becoming quite a centre in those days, for transportation and communication links. And they were essential for, for the operation of postal services. That same year, for instance, uh, the bridal track um, uh, from the town was, uh, went through right through to the, the, uh, the uh, Manawatu Gorge. It was completed. And maybe the modern version that we're trying to get through today um, still quite isn't uh, sorted, but uh, it will happen through to Ashurst at some stage. We were a real centre for rail. In the following year, in 1872, the first New Zealand-manufactured uh, locomotive uh, chugged away into the square on a completed leg of uh, the then-completed uh, tramway to Foxton. A replica of that early engine, which was uh, uh, manufactured in Dunedin, sits outside the Foxton uh, Courthouse Museum. Palmerston's first public school was also established in 1872, and that was on the corner of Main and Princess Street, where the Empire Hotel now is. Uh, in 1875, a, a telegraph connection was established to Foxton. Foxton was actually bigger, and actually the port, and, uh, and uh, probably, probably the centre in those days of uh, business, because it, uh, a lot of shipping came through there. And the town's uh, first newspaper, the Manawatu Times, was published. 1876, the, the wooden tramway now connected... Uh, the town with the port, it was upgraded to steel rails and the town's first uh, station was actually built right in the middle of the square, Tamarai Ahine. Uh, our first uh, wooden bridge across the, uh, the river, to Fitzherbert Bridge, was completed in 1877 and Palmerston, to give you an understanding, had now grown to 800 people. It was incorporated as a borough in 1877 um, and uh, that man was elected the first mayor, George Snelson. Palmerston North to Whanganui rail line opened in 1878 and jumping ahead to 1886, the privately owned uh, Wellington Manawatu Railway Company uh, completed the Wellington to Manawatu line with the railhead based at Longburn. Uh, just, a, just a matter of interest, in 1892, uh, the company's American-built um, uh, Baldwin-class locomotive established a world speed record right here uh, in this part of New Zealand on the narrow gauge from Wellington to Longburn, an impressive fact that not many people would know. And it was a special train. It was a one-hour, 58-minute run, non-stop uh, for the 135k distance and it hit a top speed of 103 kilometres. So quite impressive in um, 1892. Um, but 
The tracks in those days um, followed the Johnsonville line out of Wellington, um, plenty of steep hills and twisting and, and hilly grades, so it makes it even more impressive um, that the locomotive was able to attain that speed. I mean, today a lot of that track's been uh, tunnelled, straightened and levelled. So sort of backtracking to 1888, um, uh, a new gadget called the telephone um, started to attract early adopters here in in Palmerston North, and there was quite a subscription service to that. In 1893, the Palmerston North Hospital was opened, and uh, on the death of uh, Queen Victoria in 1901, it really did bring an uh, end of an era of the Victorian era, and Palmerston North was uh, then well-connected to uh, all parts of the Lower North Island by rail, uh, telegraph, and through interconnecting roads, but the roads left a huge amount to be desired. Uh, in fact, uh, the, it was the Lower North Island, because there actually was no rail service to Auckland until 1909, and if you wanted to get to Auckland by road, you actually had to go via Napier, uh, because the road finished at Taihepi. Quite incredible. Um, and uh, as the Ed- Edwardian era picked up, uh, there, was, uh, there was a lot of uh, grand buildings starting and projects starting to happen. And the 1906 post office building was the main attraction. That's an image from 1937. Um, But just to give some context of other buildings, as I said, banks were among contributors to the construction boom. Um, Some that can remember the Shepherd's Rest and uh, Andrew Young Street that was demolished in uh, 2012. And that's an unfortunate thing that we have demolished a lot of our grand buildings. That two-storey building was constructed in 1900 and, and housed um, Mrs Peter's Coffee Palace, but it also was used as a um, boarding establishment, and some may remember that. The district high school with uh, gender-separated classrooms was opened where boys high is now in 1902. 1902, the, the Coronation Fountain uh, in the square uh, was actually been shifted around a few times, but it actually started life... Um, almost in the centre of the square. Uh, it, went, it then went to the southwestern part here in the green space uh, to make way for the uh, War Memorial Cenotaph and then it was relocated to its present site over near the ice site on the far side. In 1902, the BNZ building had a... Uh, it was a new building was erected on the corner of Church and Fitzherbert, uh, now, uh, now Fitzherbert Avenue. And look, Palmerston North was starting to be a town on the move. The famous uh, Palmerston North Department Store, Collinson and Cunningham, opened its doors in uh, 1904, uh, and on Broad Street, it was known as Broad Street then, now Broadway Avenue in 1926, and the new, new railway hotel building on Main Street opened as a hotel in 1904-05, and that replaced an original building in 1892, um, but they got the plum site right opposite the, um, the then railway station. 1905, and many will remember this, I certainly do, uh, the uh, town's grand uh, opera house, and that opened on Church Street, where Farmers is today. And this grand building, the Grand Hotel. So that uh, also opened in 1906, and it was a a French-styled architecture, and that's on the corner of the square and church. And when it opened, it was the largest hotel outside the four main centres. So again, you get, you're getting a picture that Palmerston North was uh, batting way above its weight. 
This is, a, this is a, an early image of uh, Te Piti Te Aoiawi's, uh, statue um, over on the far side of Te Marauahine in the square. And this marble statue was sponsored by his sister, Irani Te Aoiawi, and there's been a, uh, a recent uh, portrait of her done. And uh, that was unveiled in, in 1907. And on Te Aoi, and staying with Te Aoiawi, on Te Aoiawi Street, Acacia Birch Homestead, it served as the vice-regal residence for the Governor-General, Lord Plunkett, in 1908. And for a brief time, Palmerston North was the centre for Government House. In 1909, the red-bricked uh, technical school on Princess Street was opened. Uh, the Butterfly Pond and Bridge uh, in the Square Tamarauahine, courtesy of the Palmerston North Beautification Society, was completed. Maybe we should have one of those again. And the silent movie um, cinema, Her Majesty's Theatre on George Street, opened in 1911. And that theatre was started as a skating rink, um, and it ended its days as a ballroom, Astoria, and many of you will remember that. It actually was the largest dance hall in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, unfortunately, that ballroom was demolished in uh, 1984, but the entrance lobby remains, and that's number 54, George Street. So history is really full of um, interesting facts, angles, and and uh, and sometimes rabbit holes. But um, I do hope that gives you a, a, a quick idea of what was being developed in Palmerston North around that time that the uh, 1906 uh, state of the art post office was being de uh, being developed. And it's a building that really uh, uh, has showed a huge. Uh, huge amount of, um, or a huge role in the story of Palmerston North. Um, it was actually the town's fourth post office, um, and it began uh, with plans by prominent Wellington-based architect Joshua Charlesworth. Now, he was um, quite significant in the Lower North Island. He designed the Wellington Town Hall in 1901, uh, and actually this is, it? This, is the, this is the Esplanade Cafe, but it was an earlier post office. He also, uh, and, and look, it was, uh, it was uh, his new two-storey um, Italian-style building with the clock tower um, that replaced um, this wooden post office here, which um, had served us since 1889. And uh, it got moved on. It, it actually moved to the side of the, the current um, building over there for a while, and then it became uh, moved to the Esplanade and was converted into the cafe where it remains today. Construction of the building was um, handled by local firm J. Trevor and Son. They had a brick-making business on Boundary Road, which is now Tremaine Avenue. And it seems there was quite a lot of wheeling and dealing going on behind the scenes in those days. Doesn't happen now in council. <laughs> this chap, William Wood, and it's not the councillor William Wood, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, William Wood, he was an Australian-born blacksmith and he was actually a, a, one of our former mayors, former borough mayors. He was, in those days, um, seemed to be a progression and maybe it happens, does happen today, but it won't be happening for me, as he became the town's MP and uh, he then became the town's MP. He negotiated um, with the government of the day, the Liberal Party, uh, led by King Dick Richard uh, Seddon, to stump up with half the cost of the building. Now, I wish that happened today. Where's Tungy? 
we need we need a bit of influence. But uh, his wife was very influential too, and uh, Nell Wood led a local fundraising campaign uh, to raise the rest of the money and for the clock tower chimes. And I'll, there's a bit of a story around those, and I'll come to those in a moment. So this is Sir Joseph Ward, and the completed post office was opened in February 1906 by the Treasurer, like today's equivalent Minister of Finance. But this man loved opening post offices, and he was the Postmaster General. Went to the opening of an envelope, but uh, he seriously did like post offices. Um, the, the, the current Mayor was uh, Morris Cohen, and he... Uh, ceremonially uh, posted the first letter. The grand opening was pretty pretty big stuff for a town uh, which was soon to become a city um, of our size. Ward was a, an extremely high-profile politician and he'd been knighted in 1901. And as well as introducing the Penny Post to New Zealand, Ward also set up the world's first Ministry of Health. He was also... Um, instrumental in establishing the first Ministry of Tourism. And if you can think back to those days, tourism, you know, you'd be thinking, what, how could you get people here? It was hard enough um, travelling around New Zealand, let alone getting people here. So he was quite uh, far, far thinking. And at the opening, Sir Joseph described it as the most modern post office in the country. And it also signalled quite a prosperous future for Palmerston North. In that same year, uh, King Dick said he died unexpectedly uh, that year, and uh, Ward succeeded him as the New Zealand Premier. Kerry Tapanu. So this man was the original owner of, of the site, uh, and he was a Rangitane Kamatua, and he was the original owner of the site that the building uh, stands on today. Locally, the fundraising wouldn't have been successful uh, if uh, Mrs Wood, um, the mayoress, uh, started the clock and the chimes and they bought in Rangitane and they were named after uh, this, this prominent chief um, who at the time was aged 101 years. And in those days he was also known as Mr Grey he died at 103 two years later in 1908, and his tangi, uh, or funeral, attracted many, well, they say over a thousand people, but there was a walking funeral procession, uh, sorry, a walking funeral um, that estimated was over a quarter of a mile long, so the man was revered. In 1909, the post office building, uh, which was right alongside the recently nationalised and completed uh, North Island Railway Line, it housed the Post Office Savings Bank and upstairs the Telephone Exchange and it serviced um, nearly 600 subscribers in those days. And a grand, grand old building. And it really was a symbol of pride in the town's progress and becoming a modern place, a focal point for business, um, and it featured on many postcards. You know, increasing mail volume started to happen, banking was becoming uh, a real thing, uh, uh, other communication services during World War I uh, resulted in further extensions to the building in 1917. And while the importance um, of the post office for news, especially of loved ones that had been fighting on the, on, the front, uh, on the front, could not be underestimated, so it really did, it was a, a centre for everybody. 
Ten years later, in 1927, it was designated a chief post office. And that was three years before the city became, sorry, before Palmerston became a city and was given official status. Our population had just tipped over 20,000. And to put it into context, we were New Zealand's seventh city after Christchurch, uh, Auckland, uh, Wellington, Dunedin, Nelson, and Whanganui, another interesting fact. The city in 1930 um, also became an air hub with Union Airways based out at Milson, and they established their headquarters here. So we enter into the um, air mail business, and we became part of those services, but perhaps not quite the way you'd expect. So there was no night flying in those days. So to get mail for the South Island, posted out of Auckland or Whangarei, it needed to be sorted and bagged at the end of the day, and then it was sent on the overnight train express to Palmerston North, where the mail was unloaded from the train, shifted out to the airport, and put on board the early morning Union Airways flights to Blenheim, Christchurch and Dunedin. Aucklanders heading to the South Island uh, adopted the same train and plane strategy, and they found their destinations eventually. <laughs> Sometimes it took a couple of days. But, uh, you know, increasing mail volumes, phone services resulted in further uh, building extensions, so you can notice that the, the building was increased at the site. Uh, and these are some images from uh, 1950, 1963, and 1988. With the arrival of the 28th Māori Battalion at the beginning of 1940 for three months training at the showgrounds, the post office um, would have experienced a further uh, huge volume of mail that needed to be sent, sorted and received. And as World War I, uh, the post office and its services became an ex a real essential focal point for families and soldiers uh, in, uh, fighting overseas. In June and August uh, 1942, uh, there were two seven-point magnitude earthquakes centred in the Wairarapa, and uh, they caused the collapse of many chimneys in the, in the city, um, and there were sev several near misses of uh, falling masonry around the city centre. So the distinctive post office clock tower, um, along with the building's external embellishments and uh, parapets, were removed as a precaution. Sadly, because I, if you go back to the, if you go back to that, it had some, it had some real look about it. So it became, it resulted in a much plainer looking but in the eyes of health and safety, a much safer structure. So the Kiritapanu chimes in the, in the post office um, clock were taken down. They were kept in storage. The city looked after those for a period of time before they were installed in the Hopwood Clock Tower um, in the square, 1957. And they still ring out today. Businessman Arthur Hopwood, he donated £10,000 uh, towards construction of the tower, and to put that in today's money, that was 300000 Again, I wish we had a few more people like that today. With the rapid growth of um, telephone landlines, uh, more changes were afoot. In 1961, the telephone exchange was rehoused in a new building on Church Street. And... Uh, on the other side of that building is Church Street, obviously, 
and that's the telephone exchange. And this was in the late 60s, a seven-storied um, uh, telecom tower. And it was designed as a hub for the whole region's telephone uh, telecommunications. Um, and it's often referred to as the telecom tower, but the bu building was also dubbed K9 because it looked like the cyber dog of Doctor Who series, um, K9. It's been called many other things too. The complex now occupied by Spark New Zealand Group um, and uh, uh, in 2015 uh, this building and unfortunately the battleship, our, our, our city building, were both examples of 1960s architectural style, they called it concrete brutalism and they were named in a top ten list of New Zealand's ugliest buildings. <laughs> I don't think you could deny that. Look, paint's been applied to, to soften it up. To I haven't, sh I purposely haven't showed you another photo because, um, yeah, it's uh, it's to soften its uncompromising um, exterior lines. Uh, and on on April first, uh, uh, nineteen eighty seven, the New Zealand Post Office wrongly or rightly uh, corporised uh, corporatised its business, um, split into three separate companies: Telecom, Postbank, New Zealand Post. Each company was set up as an SOE, a state-owned enterprise, and they were expected to operate as a commercial entity. Around the country, uh, this resulted in the closure of 432 post offices. That's why I said wrongly or rightly. As a post office, um, the building on the square continued to, continued to serve until uh, 1988, uh, when the post office, uh, New Zealand Post, moved to new premises on the corner of Main and Princess. Remember that, aren't you used to drive through? And the Post Office Savings Bank uh, continued to occupy the old building, uh, but after that it was sold to the ANZ uh, in 1989, and they eventually uh, migrated their services to their Broadway branch. So it started a new lease of life. And for the next two decades, uh, the building kicked up its heels as a restaurant, bar and night spot, firstly as Eagle Rock, and then as High Flyers. And many residents still refer to it as the High Flyers building. And uh, some of the branding sort of still existed there until property brokers, um, rightly so, put their sold signs up over it. In 2009, uh, an attached concrete terrace for the Alfresco dining was controversially um, put on the side. Um, and following the devastating Canterbury earthquakes in 2010 and 2011 with the national building standards uh, being enacted uh, High Flyers uh, was forced to vacate the premises. Uh, the building's new owners, uh, E2 New Homes and Properties, were planning a major retail development for the site which would have included um, hotel and car parking and a probable bus terminal. In 2013 uh, the property company closed uh, the building for renovations, but they were never carried out. The same year, I was elected to council, uh, and one of my big concerns actually was the, the central city and the state of it. Uh, E2 Homes and Properties collapsed the following year in 2014, more than $2 million in debt, and the future of the former chief post office was up in the air. 2015, um, I was elected mayor in a by-election, and... Uh, restoring some of the retail vitality and central business um, activity was probably one of my main aims. But 
it's been an important challenge, but actually the way people shop, the way people uh, live now, uh, do business and invest is quite different. Uh, so promoting a new use for the building was, a, was important, but also keeping the, the city heritage. But in 2015, um, this building was subject to a mortgagee sale. It was picked up by an Auckland company called Palmerston Post. It turned out that the new owners weren't really willing to take up the redevelopment opportunities suggested by the, the former owners and endorsed by council of the day. Uh, this included uh, a resource consent to turn, as I said, the site into a hotel, a retail space and other activity. In July 2016, the high flyers portion of the building was slapped with a dangerous building notice. And the building's last tenant was a sports bar called The Daily, the white part there. It moved out in uh, 2017 and it's now in another part of the city. So it was left vacant ever since. And this once proud symbol, which uh, Sir Joseph and others had been part of, opening was left as a real empty shell. It, uh, it, you know, it, was, it, it attracted antisocial uh, behaviour, it was broken into and it really did fall into decay. Naturally enough, um, this really increased the concerns of many residents. I got so many letters and emails about it. The business community um, were up in arms and actually council was not happy either. It got to a stage where financially it, made a, it probably made greater sense for any developer to knock it down and start again. However, that wasn't a viable option. Fortunately, the building did have protection status. But uh, that does, it does actually hinder some, some developments. But fortunately, the, the right owners were found. And uh, it was great that in um, October um, 2022, um, finally a new building owner was found. And want to acknowledge the property broker property brokers team, especially agent Kevin Carrion, who brokered the deal. But council team had quite a lot important role to play and get this over the line. So here's what you've been waiting for. So here are some new plans and, and I'll, um, I've got a couple more here and, and a final artist's impression of the new hotel. It's uh, going to be five levels, it'll be a 4.5 um, star hotel. Um, that can give you an idea where it will sit with the, this, uh, I can't see it there, but uh, uh, the old post office facade, the new construction of the tower block at the back, where the TNG towers sit, where the square centre is at the moment. That's looking from the bus side. That will be the link from the, from the old building to the new building, and finally that's what it's going to look like. So, are just the outside walls of the old building going to be still there? No, no, they, they, will, they will keep the structure as well. They have to. Mm. They'll deconstruct it. The way they do these things, they'll hold the facade up, they then pull everything out from the back, strengthen put everything back in and, and basically reconstruct it, keeping the old um, windows, the old beams, uh, brickwork where possible. Sometimes they'll number all the bricks, a little bit like the cathedral down in Christchurch, and put it all back together, but strengthened.
There's one down at Lincoln University that's only got the outside walls. It's a heritage building, but the inside of it was completely gutted mm. and it's a multi-storey building. Mm. Yeah. With the outside walls, the only bit left. Mm. Yep, there's, there's ways of doing that as well. These guys have their own, their own, their own offices in, in Auckland. It's not dissimilar to this, and where they've um, they've kept the facade. They've built a 18-storey hotel at the back. It's opposite TV New Zealand um, in Victoria Street in Auckland, and they deconstructed the building, then put it back together. Exposed beams, um, skylights, the old windows, um, the old brickwork, and uh, they, but they know how to do it. That's the key. They know how to do it, and they're, they're builders and engineers, and and, and uh, they know they know how to do it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. The, the key about this, I mean, they have a track record. They've done eighteen of them. So, giving understanding, they did the New Zealand Dairy Co-op building in Hamilton, and that's a brilliant, lovely building in Victoria Street in the middle of Hamilton, and that's got a Quest Hotel at the back of it, and they restored that building. Their own building was the Herd's Lolly Factory in Victoria Street in corner of Victoria and Graham in Auckland, opposite um, near the Sky Tower there, and they've made a wonderful job of that, and that's their their offices. And they've also done the uh, um, May and Bryant Matches Factory in Wellington and Tory Street, and that is becoming a new um, Wyndham Trip Hotel as well. As well as a number down in Queenstown as well. So they're well look, they're well versed. Um, they they're one of three companies that deals with the New Zealand Super Fund. Um, they they do it. They're real. In order to do this, they still have to take down half the facade, according to that. Oh yeah. Well, it's not. So the building. If you saw the original building, um, It stops there. It doesn't go. That was all added on, as as you know, as iterations of the building. Um, you know, it really did. You can see where it, you can see where yeah, it's not the nineteen oh six. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the night. It wasn't. You know, they're nineteen nineteen twenties and thirties. Yeah. Well, currently, there's parking on that. Section. No, no. That the building goes way back. The site is very large. Yeah. 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 So this, yes, there's another there's another site next to it. Um, from the previous pictures of the new building, uh, I see the intrusion um, into the street is still going to be there. Is it still the oh, look, that's yet to be decided. I mean, these are these are artist impressions, and they, they need to go through a resource consent to be able to, and that all, that's all needs to be sorted yet. Doesn't yeah. get the sun until three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave, uh, just regarding to your question, Marilyn. The, the raised terrace in the street. Uh, we're working with the developer uh, around that because currently we're also designing the streetscape just outside that. So the current thinking is, uh, and, and nothing's been confirmed, but the current discussion is that likely that terrace is going to be removed. Uh, they, and that, that opens up the streetscape that's going to come through there to be a much more functional street supporting the building. Um, so we're, we're just in that sort of negotiation space about, I guess, what role does the public space play 
to the public, uh, to the private investment, and, and vice versa. And I suppose on the other foot, you know, if you were a building owner and the one putting the 50 million in, you'd probably fight to keep it if it was done well. Yeah, and uh, it hasn't been done well in the yeah, past. And, and part of that is, is, I guess, it triggers some of the heritage aspects of the building, that conversation. So it's just a fine balance of trying to navigate. Yeah. And to actually activate the street, if you want Alfresco, look at Christchurch, look what they're doing. This is what they're doing. So, I mean, Dave's right, there is a balance, but I think all, everything needs to be taken into perspective because uh, um, nobody else is investing 50 million in it, they are. Right, what I'm concerned about is the bottleneck of that square. Cars coming up along the post office and then down Main Street and going into Church Street with extra people coming. Yes, it's an awful traffic jam. You know, people staying overnight or it's bottlenecked now. Yes, it's terrible. Yeah, well, well, yeah, and look, that's with everybody driving cars and everybody. I mean, we would hope this would attract, um, uh, you know, people that, that, that come in coaches, like bus tours and those sorts of things. Um, the whole way traffic's done in the city centre actually will be honest. We probably, you know, from people of our vintage, I mean, we remember everybody in cars and also everybody getting to park right outside the door they want to. It's changing a little bit, and I, I agree that there is some tension about what's happening there at the moment. Um, I would hope that that would get slightly better with the city being slower, like a maximum speed limit in the CBD here of 30 kilometres an hour. You can't really go much faster than that anyway. No, no. And, and the inner ring road forms, this is more pedestrianised, slower speed limit, um, and people coming in here, and look, there may end up being, um, you know, some sort of shuttle that drops people off too. So, yeah, there's still a bit of work to be done in that traffic management side. Oh, yeah. mm. It's going to occupy the whole area of the post office area, also at the back, isn't it? Yes. Right, right up against that parking. Y yes, that yeah, they've bought the whole site. Yes. Mm. There's still a little bit of work to be done. They've, um, that won't occupy the whole site. There's still, be, there's still a little bit of uh, vacant space there and they'll be working with council officers on what that might look like. Remembering we're still yet to form, um, finalise and formalise what we're doing with the bus terminal. And if you look at any modern city, um, they have some sort of terminus. If you almost look back to the old days of Newman's, where you used to drive into... Um, the bus would drive into Newman's from Amesbury Street, um, park up undercover. There was a cafe, a waiting room. We've gone backwards to people sitting in a shelter um, in, in the wet. Um, so I, I personally think you need to lift the standard of what you're offering. And as a council, I hope we're going to move in that direction. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Is there any time frame on when this is going to be? Yeah, so they're, they're ahead of schedule. I think they're coming down to see um, council officers um, uh, this month, and uh, I know they're down in April as well. I spoke to them this morning because I just had to get permission to use all this, and, uh, and they were quite excited that you were seeing it. So yeah, this is first off cab off the rank. I don't think anybody else has seen this. Um, so, uh, look, these sort of things... It's all around um, construction timelines and everything else, but 2025 being opening. Mm -hmm. 
So it will take them about 18 months to build it. And if you look at other buildings of a similar size, like the new FMG building, um, it was about the same time frame. Just ask one other question, not in regard to this, but the old police station in the Street, that is looking absolutely... Yeah. Cool. So Rangitane owned that, and uh, again, a little bit like this. I've had a couple of close deals fall over, um, but its site is still significant. Uh, you know, the location's a significant site. Um, if something will happen there. Um, in terms of how the building's looking, I mean... Uh, Again, I'm not sure where they're at, but they have, have asked that, the, again, that building's been added on and added on and added on, that they demolish the old parts of the building that don't have a, uh, a heritage listing, um, and I'm not sure where they're at with that, but um, that will take some cost too, because it's, it's, it's very built with lots and lots of concrete. Could they maybe board up the windows like this down in the post office? Yeah, yeah, and look... Um, there's probably some discussions to be had around beautifying it. Um, it's, it's, you can beautify the front, but it's actually around the back as well. Mm. Are you talking about beautification? What about bringing some um, force? What do you probably think of a more polite way than that? Um, on the owner of the TNG building, it's complete and utter yeah. eyesore. And now we're going to be having a four and a half star hotel. Yeah, so the, the great thing about investment is it does, investment attracts other investment. So the ownership of that part of the square is in two hands, and I know that they will be looking very closely at this. And they wanted something to get over the line for them to then reinvest. So I'm thinking you're going to be pretty confident that things will happen. The TNG building's an interesting one. It got sold in a quasi mortgagee sale, got sold for the price of a house. Um, it's got an owner that probably doesn't understand what they're doing. So, um, look, I talk to him every now and then. It's pretty hard. We offered some uh, funds out of the Heritage Fund to clean the building, and he took the money and uh, went and cleaned it himself with a big long brush. So that's why everything's done to a... It's got to be scaffolded and uh, done properly. That's a, that's a discussion for another day, but um, I, I share your complete frustration. It's, it's embarrassing, and it's quite an eye. It's 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 a it's a, a landmark for us, and it doesn't look good when you come into the city. I don't know any history of that building, but was that clock tower built after they demolished the clock tower off the post office and before the one in the square? How long was that clock tower? Uh, that's 1920s uh, TNGs. It was in so the two, two clocks together. Yeah. Look, everyone liked to tell the time in those well, days. I know. Oh, We've offered to fix the clock. The clock's quite old. Um, it, re- it will require some um, some work. Again, if you had bright owner, you get it fixed straight away. Mm. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for your attention. I hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed it.
This is Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo Irangi o Ngā Tangata o Manawatu. You've been listening to our recording of the talk entitled The Chief Post Office and Its Exciting Future, which was presented by Mayor Grant Smith on Thursday the 2nd of March at the Palmerston North City Library. This is the third of four talks that we recorded as part of Local History Week 2023. If you'd like to hear it again or share it with a friend, you can find it along with the rest of the talks at our website at www.mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash specials. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.